All right, ladies, we are so excited to have our guest speaker here this morning. Hannah Olette, uh, years ago, Hannah, you were actually a guest speaker for one of our women's conferences, and then I re-invited her last spring. How many remember from the conference, the women's conference? Yep. All right. And so she's just a powerful, dynamic speaker. She's full of the Word of God. Uh, we picked her up, and her friend Jamie, Jamie waved at everybody. She travels with her, her worship leader slash lifetime friend, and um, we've just been having fun getting to know them. But um, Hannah and her husband, Jacob, co Thrive Church, which is a church plant in near Denver, Colorado, right? And um, she has a, an amazing women's ministry as well that they call Flourish, correct? And um, we've just been having a great time sharing. I've still got things I need to pick your brain about. But anyway, would you please welcome Hannah Olette this morning. And thank you. Oh, come on, come on. Good morning, ladies. How are y'all doing? I'm so happy to be with you guys this morning. This is great. I love this. I, this is one of my greatest joys, just getting with women in gatherings and settings like this because I say it all the time, and it's true. I think we're God's favorite. And when women gather, God shows up, doesn't he? Doesn't he? And so I just want to say thank you for allowing me to come into this moment and into your weekend. I truly just feel so honored and privileged to come. And I want you to know that I really believe I'm carrying words from God for us this weekend. And I'm not coming to talk at you or teach to you. I'm coming to grow with you and to experience God together. And I was so excited, um, maybe excited is uh, not the correct word. I was thankful and um, about Karen's words she gave in that last song of worship because right before she gave that word, I wrote down the word breakthrough on my notes. And I had three messages in my heart to bring over the weekend and really spend some time in prayer over which message to preach which day, um, what was going to be for Thursday morning and what was going to be for the weekend. I really feel like God has given me clarity over those words. And um, I really, in, in worship, I just felt like God said, Hannah, you are carrying, beginning this morning, words of breakthrough. And I believe that that is a spirit. It's a spirit of God, breakthrough. It's one of his characteristics. It's an attribute of who our God is. And personally, I have been pressing in for breakthrough. And I just believe I am carrying words that are carrying that heart in them this weekend. And so if you have not yet signed up, Karen did not ask me to do this, or register for the women's getaway, tell your husband, suck it up, take these children from me. You're going to be okay. Go to Target, get yourself a couple frozen pizzas, throw them in the freezer. They're going to be fine um, as long as they eat and don't, you know, go out on the road. And come this weekend, come this weekend. And I already can see with my spiritual eyes a piece of what God wants to do Friday night. I really believe we're going to, we're going to, we're going to taste a little bit of heaven tomorrow night, ladies. We're going to receive ministry and strength and encouragement. But don't worry, I'm carrying a word for us this morning too, a word for us this morning. And so I I'm just so excited. Tuesday night, I know I just keep staring at you all. Um, Jamie, my best friend Jamie, uh, wave your hand, Jamie. She's awesome. Her and her husband, Milan, he is from the Czech Republic, talking about places you might want to go. How many of you said Europe? 
No one? Okay, good. Okay, good. Milan, her husband, he came over as a foreign exchange student. Their senior year of um, high school, we're from Michigan. I don't know if you guys know that. And uh, it was Holly High School. Y'all know Holly? Holly, Michigan? Okay, and so he comes over as a foreign exchange uh, student. And do y'all remember that movie, Encino Man? Is that the name of it? I have Denver, Colorado brain. It's really early my time, people. And so it's Encino Man. He looked like Encino Man, like before he got like groomed. Wild hair, was not a believer, um, came from Europe. And he started, was invited to our youth ministry that really was experiencing a unique move of God at that time. God was getting a hold of all of us teenagers, a core of us, and radically impacting our lives. And um, he comes and gets saved. And then it was long before him and Jamie saw each other and the rest was history and he went back home and kissed his family goodbye and moved here and now he's an American citizen and um, they, the, he, Jamie and Milan after college got hired on at our local church back at Cornerstone Church in Highland, Michigan and then together eventually my husband and I, we graduated Oral Roberts University and we came along and we got hired and so we have been serving God together in full-time ministry since we were what, I was 22 years old and I'm 37 now, weird. Weird, weird everyone, isn't that weird how your life goes? And so, and then her and her husband packed up their children and kissed their families got goodbye and moved to Denver, Colorado with us. We just celebrated our fifth anniversary as a church on Sunday and we are praising God. Thank you for celebrating with us. We are praising God because 80%, they're saying 80% of church plans right now do not make it to year five. It is a, many can start, they say 90% fail. I believe it's in, within the first two years. And 80% do not make it to your five. And we are in so many ways, we've never been stronger. We've never been stronger. So to God be the glory as a church. And um, I am asking you all to please let Pastor Karen come be with me on Saturday, May 5th in Denver, because we are doing our first citywide women's conference. You can stalk us at flourishwomen.co. And so will you all let her come? to me. Will you just push her out? Push. Well, Rachel, will you put her on an airplane? Where are you, Rachel? She's probably doing something. Oh, she wants to come. Okay. There's Rachel. Rachel, so if you all will promise to let Rachel and Pastor Karen come be with me and play and get a break and get to sit in the front row and get poured into, wave your right hand. Okay. Okay. Good, 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 good. Okay, good, good. Okay. Well, are you all ready for the word of God this morning? Can we just grow a little bit together? I hope you've got um, something to take notes with. And I just want to start off by saying today is a day of hope. It's just a morning of hope. And I've got a word of hope. I want to speak to your hearts this morning. And I want to encourage you this morning out of the word of God about the very thing that has been facing your life. I want to encourage you and bring hope to the very thing that you've been praying about, to the very thing that was a burden on your spirit when you walked in this morning, to the very thing that you went to bed thinking about, to the very thing that is maybe a wall between you and your husband right now, to the very thing that is a strain or has become a great burden of prayer about that teenage child. 
I want to speak to that very thing this morning because can I just tell you, when I leave Denver, Colorado, and I kiss my three kids goodbye, and I say yes to amazing moments like this, to gather and encourage women of God, I don't do do it because it's easy and it's just another adventure and it's fun. It's hard. It's hard to leave your work and to leave your family. Tuesday night, I was speaking to a hundred of our own women shoved in an event room, encouraging their hearts. We got a lot going on, but I leave because I believe God says go, and so when I come, I come with a mission, and I come to fight for the word of God, the, the purpose of God, and the will of God in your life. And I'm here to tell someone the devil is a liar. And he has been lying to you. And he has been saying words that have been distorting the truth of God's promises in your life. And I come with a sense of it is a privilege to fight for you. Because I might not know you, but we're sisters in Christ this morning. And some of you have journeyed with God, God longer than me. And some of, for some of you, I've journeyed with God longer. But you know what? It doesn't care. Because together we love one God and we serve him and our life is him. And I'm here to fight for that purpose and will and destiny that your God has for you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, so today is a day of hope. I believe there are things in your heart and your life you are believing God for. You're believing God for something this morning. 2018 has begun, and it hasn't even been going that long, but it feels like we've been going for two years already. Can I get an amen there, somebody? And you went into 2018 with the spirit of faith and hope and expectation, and maybe that faith, hope, and expectation is getting a little bit weak. But there are things you are believing God for, something you need God so desperately to set you free. And man, it's tough being a woman, isn't it? Our emotions... They can get weird and messy. I just looked at Jamie last night. I, I said, I swear, the older I get, the more hormonal I get. What is wrong with me? Can someone tell me? Is that normal? I am like, what is going on? I need chocolate 24-7. I need to wash it down with some Midol and a Diet Coke, you know, just to feel normal. But I'm telling you, there's things we need God to set us free in, in our emotions, in our mind, in our life. Some of you, you might need God to deliver you or someone you know from a situation or circumstance. You need to see the God who delivers. You need God to provide. Oh my goodness, you need the Lord to be a provider, to answer you and to defend you. So can I speak hope and encouragement to those things to you this morning? Kings of, 2 Kings chapter 13 is going to be our passage this morning. It's going to be our passage, and we're going to sing, see King Jehoash and Elisha. Excuse me, I have Denver brain. Is that 2 Kings or 1 Kings? That's 2 Kings, right? 2 Kings, Karen, will you confirm that? King Jehoash, okay, that is, okay. King Jehoash and Elisha. And so 2 Kings chapter thing is going to, 2 Kings 13 is going to be our passage, and this is what we have going on here. Let me just set the stage for us. King Jehoash of Israel hears that the prophet Elijah is sick. And on his deathbed. So now he's on a mission. I've got to go to the man of God. He is sick. He's about to die. This prophet. And back in this time, you know, God would use prophets to bring his word to the people. If you needed to know what to do, if you needed to get an answer, if you needed to counsel on a decision, you would go to the prophets. And prophets would bring God's word. And kind of to, this morning, it's kind of like that setting. You might need God to speak to you. And I want you I believe God is going to bring a word to you this morning. So here King Jehoash is, and he hears Elijah, this man of God, this incredible man of God, this prophet, is about to die, and King Jehoash has to get to him. He is now on a mission, and he needs to get to this man because the king is facing an enemy, a big enemy. The people of God are about to be under attack, and he needs a word from God. He needs to get to the man of God to receive a word from God over this 
thing in his life, this enemy that is about to come, this enemy that he is about to face, that the people of God are about to encounter. He needs wisdom and counsel, and he needs to hear what God has to say about this battle, about this enemy, and about this fight. In this passage in 2 Kings chapter 13, we see a king who is about to mourn the loss of a spiritual father, and at the very same time, needs victory over his enemies. Two very different, isn't life interesting when things can collide? Mourning the loss of this prophet, this spiritual father, this man of God who has been a voice in this king's life, he's about to die. So there's that sense of mourning, of death, of losing, but at the same time, don't go, yeah, Elisha, I need to hear what God has to say about this enemy that is about to attack God's people. What does God have to say? And we see a prophet, Elisha, on his deathbed, but is about to speak. 2 Kings chapter 13. Now let me read it to you, starting in verse 14. We're going to read 14 through 19 if you have your Bibles with you. When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Verse 16, Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands. Can't you just see this? Just frail, weak, maybe quivering hands. He laid his own hands on the king's hands. In verse 17, then he commanded to the king, open that eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow, and Elisha proclaimed, This is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Arameans, the enemy. Then he said, Now pick up the other arrows and strike the ground. Weird, right? Strike against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. I wonder if the king thought this old man was losing his mind at this point. You know, maybe. Like, okay, I'm going to do it because I love you and I honor you, but I think you're about to see Jesus. It's a little weird. Verse 19, but the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times times. The message I want to bring to you this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. Strike the ground. Strike the ground. This king is in a pivotal moment. He literally tells Elisha, I can hear the chariots and charioteers. The enemy is on his way. He could hear the rumbling in the land. Elisha, tell me, are we going to get victory? And if we're not, what do I need to do to, to make sure and ensure victory is ours, that the people of God are not defeated? He is faced with opposition and a challenge, and this prophet is about to die. And then God asked this king through the prophet to pick up arrows and shoot them out the window. And then to take these arrows and strike them on the ground. Has God ever asked you to do something that does not make sense before? Anyone? Anyone? Oh, two of us. Wonderful. That's great. 
pick up the, open the window, shoot them out the window, and then take those very arrows and strike the ground. And little did this king realize that this, this simple act of what might have felt like foolish obedience to take these arrows and do something with them that is not their natural purpose of creation or intent, but to take these arrows and out of obedience to the word, the words that are coming out of the man of God's mouth, take them and to strike the ground them. He does not know that, I mean, he doesn't know, he doesn't know this one, that with each strike, it is a guaranteed moment of victory over the enemy. And I just want to say, to, I just want to encourage you this morning. Oh, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. See, I believe there are arrows in your hands this morning that God has given you. There are arrows in your hand and God is saying, hey, shoot and strike. Shoot and strike. Shoot and strike. This is wonderful. Thank God for moments like this where we can gather and have worship. And in heaven, I'm going to sound like Amy and it's going to be amazing. And until then, I'm going to sound like a scary man in the front row at the real round table trying to sing with her. But I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing to have moments like this where we can come together and be strengthened and worship God and hear prophetic words and be reminded of who our God is. But my friends, what's, almost, what's just as important and almost more is that when you leave holy moments and settings like this and you go back home and you face that situation, you leave and you face that marriage, you go home and you face that teenager, you face that financial need, that health report, whatever it is, that we hold on and remind ourselves to what the word of God last said in moments like this. And we leave and we obey. We leave and we shoot. We leave and we strike with arrows of faith that the very thing God God told you, the very thing God spoke to you in moments and settings of holy interruption atmospheres I hear are going to take place. I'm here to stir your faith this morning that God wants to break through. God has put arrows in your hands, arrows of breakthrough, victory, wisdom, favor, and deliverance. This king experienced two things in this moment with the prophet Elisha. And I believe these two things he experienced, he probably experienced more, but these are two things I see God wants us to experience as well. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes, write this down, divine help. This king experienced divine help. In verse 15, Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. Man, that probably felt so strange. Huh? No, 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 Elisha, I need you to tell me something. Tell me, like, what is God saying? Elisha, will we have victory over the enemy? Get a bow and some arrows. <sighs> you know, I could just imagine, imagine this king, urgent, anxious. He can hear the sound of the enemy coming. He tells Elisha, I don't have time for an illustration. I don't have time to go find bow. I need to know what is God saying. And, he's, and his response is, get some bow and get some arrows. And look what happens. We don't hear the king frustrated. We don't hear the king moaning and groaning and saying, you foolish old man, tell me before you die. This is what the word of God says. So Elisha tells him, get a bow and some arrows, period. And the king did as he was told. So short, so sweet, but so powerful for us to understand this morning. This king experienced divine help, divine help, supernatural help from the hand of God. But I think he experienced that because he did two so important things as women of God that we've got to understand doing our own life. He listened and he obeyed. He listened and he obeyed. 
this strong, healthy, and capable king listened and obeyed. Listening to God and obeying what he tells you to do, my friends, is one of the secrets to breaking through. Listening to the very voice of God. Lord, what are you saying about this situation? I need to hear you. Heaven, what are you speaking about my husband? Spirit of God, what are you saying about my child's heart? God, what are you saying about this enemy that I can hear advancing towards me, towards your people? What are you saying? But listen, you can't listen when you're, mo- when you're just a hustle and a bustle and the phone's going off. You've got to position yourself to listen. The king didn't send a messenger to Elisha's bedside. He could have. He could have sent a messenger with a desperate note that I need to know. Give this to him and come back. And maybe in some sense that might have made more sense. I mean, a battle is about to happen. And the king leaves the people to go get in position to hear a word from God. Those of you doing the getaway this weekend, you are getting yourselves in position to hear a voice of God. Let me just, I I want you to know, this is not coming from a place of arrival, my friends. This is coming from a place of transparency and vulnerability because that is the only way I know how to preach and teach the word of God. When I am going through things, when I hear the sound of chariots and charioteers advancing on my family, Family, my marriage, my children, my emotions, God's church, I will often feel the Spirit of God say three times a day. And I know what that means. He wants me three times a day to get in a posture and a position of prayer, to simply listen to Him. And it's not long. I'm a busy woman. I got three little kids. The oldest is 10. The youngest is three. I'm building the local church with my husband. We've got a lot going on. And it's not long, but I make sure. I will literally take my phone. I set alarms throughout the day. Because Daniel, when he needed to see God move, what did he do? Three times a day, he would open up the window and he would kneel and he would pray. And often I will say, hear God say, Hannah, three times. I don't think there's anything magic. I don't think you need to do three times. But it's what I will feel God call of me. And I will get in those moments I don't bring my needs. I don't bring my petitions. I don't bring what I want. Sometimes I'll put on worship just to create the atmosphere. But I will simply sit. And sometimes it's for five minutes and ten minutes. And I say, God, speak. Speak. I am listening. And I'll often hold my hands like this and I'll just imagine everything I want off of them. Everything I think I'm needing off of them. And it's just clear, open hands. And I will say, God, would you put your heart and what you desire in my hands and help me to see it. And God, give me courage to obey it. This king got in position to hear what God wanted to say through this man of God. And then he obeyed. My friends, listen to me this morning. Dependency on God, truly, true, true dependency on God is the first step to experiencing divine help. That's a really cool Christian word, dependency. We stick it on things. Hobby Lobby probably has on a million little frames that you can hang in your house. I mean, you got coffee mugs with it. 
but I'm talking dependency on God. Have you ever, I mean, there was nothing left you could do but be dependent on God, had a situation like that in your life? God, I, Hannah out. <laughs> Hannah out. I got nothing left but to be totally dependent on you. My friends, that is a hard place, often a scary place, often a frustrating place. I don't know about you, but that place of total dependency, usually the ugliest Hannah comes out. Do you ever scare yourself with yourself? Like, dang, I'm ugly. The good is so not okay. What is that? Where did that come from? But it's God saying, I am bringing you to a place you've asked to hear me. Well, I got to get rid of you so you can hear me. So we're going to work through you. We're going to get through you. We're going to shut you up for a little bit, Hannah, so you can hear me. Last summer, my um, middle child, Ethan, He's, he turned seven at the end of August, but at this point, started last summer, he was, he was six, and Ethan is my sweet soul. He is a very, very sweet boy. How many of you are already praying for your children's spouses? I do every week, and Ethan is going to need a very kind woman. Y'all know what I mean? If she ain't kind, she ain't coming to mama, this mama's house, you know? He is going to need a kind woman because he is very kind. He is very sweet. He has had since pretty much birth a little crush on Jamie's daughter, Selah, and they have been two peas in the pod since they were like two years old. Hold hands, and we, we told them no more kissing because that's weird. You know, it got to that point. We were like, that was cute. Now it's weird. Stop kissing each other. Literally, on the lips, people. I'm not even kidding you. We, we had this one picture. Ethan is like holding her head and dipping her back. And like my husband saw, and he was like, yeah. Because he's like, got her like this. And I'm like, no, not okay. But um. And, and teachers at our church will come to me. The teachers that teach Selah in Ethan's class will sometimes come to me and say, Hannah, he is so sweet with Selah. The whole day he's just worried about her and watching her and protecting her and looking out for her. And, you know, and I don't think she has a clue about it, but that's just my Ethan. Well, with the sweetness will sometimes also come reservation. His, his older sister, Faithlin, Faith, she's got great faith. Man, that girl's charged, right? She's like, man, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out when I get there. Ethan is more reserved and wants to figure it out. And so this summer he was six, and he still couldn't swim. He couldn't swim in the deep end very well, well enough to where I felt like he'd be okay. And it had been one of those things where you're, like, trying to figure out how much to push him. And my husband looked at me and said, this is the year, Hannah. Ethan's going to learn to swim. So he took Ethan to the deep end of our club pool. It took him in, like, the lap pool where he could not touch. It, he couldn't. And so Jacob would have him hold on to the sides of the pool, right, and they'd swim down one side together. But Jake would stay right next to him in case he got too tired and they practice. And then finally, Ethan realized he was strong enough to do this. If he wants to do this, he's strong enough. So Jacob no longer would swim alongside him. He would stay right there in the water or on the edge. But, you know, he would let Ethan swim, but he would ensure that Ethan was always swimming along the edge of the lap pool. So at any moment, if Ethan looked up and got freaked out, he could just go like this. You know, he could go like this. Well, then we started noticing this edge of the pool became this this advancer, advancing 
hindering block. Like this edge, this slip that was supposed to be there only for a season of getting stronger and confident and being okay and understanding like his own strength was now actually hindering him from letting go and taking off and swimming. And finally my husband said, you're done, no more. Literally just looked at me, he's like, you're done, get out of the pool, I'm taking you to the lifeguard, you're gonna go do the test right now. He was so scared. Oh my goodness, he's like, dad, I just don't, he's like, you're gonna do it, son, you're gonna do it. So they go and they don't let me in, it's a man moment. And I'm like, I'm like praying in the spirit, ladies, you know what I mean? Like, oh God, let him do it, don't let it, it's like, oh, let him pass, let him do it. And all of a sudden, out comes Ethan, and he's running towards me, and he's running towards me as fast as he can, and tears are streaming down his face, and he says, Mama, I did it! I did it! I passed the swim test, and then comes my husband, and my husband's crying, you know? I can't, I'm not supposed to tell people that, but he was, and he was crying, and see, Ethan was holding on to the side of the pool for comfort, not because he needed it but for comfort. And I just want to encourage some person, some amazing woman in here this morning. Someone is holding on to the side of the pool. And because of that, and your faith, and your divine help, and and your dependency on God, and because of that, you are experiencing a limited measure of the help of God. But God is saying to you, I want to bring you divine help, bigger, supernatural. And the only way you can experience something supernatural is I need you to let go in the natural so I can rush in and show you that I got you. I'm for you. You're not going to drown. You're not going to die. I'm right here. I have made you strong enough to do this. But you got to let go so you can experience that. Oh man, something divine, that divine help where you feel God say, in the midst of the pressure, in the midst of the challenge and the pain, I have made you strong to swim. Oh, but man, that divine help can only come on the other side of total and complete dependency on God. Because that's when we drop to our knees and say, oh, Jesus, to you be all the glory and the honor and the praise. This was bigger than me. This was greater than me. I let go when you took over. Divine help. Why is dependency on God the first step to divine help? Because victory comes from God alone. That's it. Man, I've got some things in my life. And someone talked back at me so I don't just feel alone up here with this. I got some areas in my life, and it's like, I, it's like a hamster wheel where I trust God, and I get off it, and it feels so good. I'm like, God, there. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm done running. I just trust you. And then all of a sudden, I mean, is anyone else like that? Or is it just, I mean, when, when Pastor Karen was talking about breakthrough, I was thinking about some of my hamster wheels. Like, Jesus, tear down this wheel. And I want to go back to it. And then I'll come to a place in myself where I've realized that I can't pray through this anymore. I can't fast through this anymore. I can't claim this anymore. I need to let go of this and just trust God. Just trust God and let divine help come in. 1 Kings 13, in this moment, in this room, it did not matter how many victories the king had experienced. It didn't matter to him. It didn't matter how many times they'd won in the past. All he knew is an enemy was coming and they needed to conquer this enemy. He knew he needed God to move now. 
And he was willing to do whatever he was told. A couple of my favorite scriptures when it comes to dependency on God and divine help. Psalm 18, verse 34. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. Oh, I love that word. Psalms 144, verse 1. Praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. I want to encourage you ladies, be speakers of the word of God out loud. Get crazy. Get weird. It doesn't matter what your husband thinks, your kids think, your neighbors think. I mean, start being speakers of the word of God. If you are in a situation, we're just priming the pump for this weekend, Pastor Karen. We're priming the pump. It's a weekend of breakthrough. If you need God to do something in your life, if you are, you are fighting something, facing something, you get the word of God. God, you get up before every any other person in your home gets up. And if those kids won't sleep in past 4 a.m., give them a little bit of Benadryl. It's okay. It'll be fine. You mean to tell me I got to set my alarm for 4.30? Yes, because you need to be dependent on God because victory comes from him alone. You mean I got to get up at 5 a.m. and I work till 9 p.m. at night? Yeah, do you want to see breakthrough in your marriage? Get up before anyone else. Give God the first of your morning. Open up the word of God. And some of you need to get your ugly robe on, a big gallon of coffee in your right hand. You can't sit down because you're not a morning person. You'll fall asleep if you sit down. Get yourself your big mug. I got an ugly robe. Anyone else? It is amazing. I come down and my husband's like, oh, you're so pretty. Why do you wear that? Because I like it. And it's a hug for my body. Don't touch me. I'm, I'm just fine. I'll tie it up big down to my feet, up to my neck. And it's got pockets the size of the Grand Canyon. So as a mom, I mean, I could put a small child in these pockets. I walk through my house. I see clutter. I see junk. I just put it in my pockets. It's like, it's like Mary Poppins' bag. You need something, it's in my robe. I can guarantee you. I got it. I got it in my robe. And I sometimes if I'm too tired, I don't sit. And I just want to encourage you. This is it. This is how we grow in God, friends. This is how we experience the impact of the word of God in our life. We begin to speak the word of God. Some of you, you just need to speak Psalm 144, verse 1, all of February at 5 a.m. in your ugly robe with your big coffee in your hand. Praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. I want you to imagine your living room right now. And you in it at 4 o'clock in the morning. I just bummed it up an hour. Did you all catch that? You in it at 4 o'clock in the morning with your ugly robe and your ugly bun and your zit cream because I still get pimples. Anyone else? Still on your face and your retainers. I still retain my retainers to bed. Anyone else? And I'm a pretty picture, let me tell you, at nighttime. And you get up with that coffee and that robe and you just imagine yourself even right now in that living room declaring the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. You become a declarer of the word of God. And with every moment you declare the word of God, you just believe and decree that dependency in your flesh is dying. It is being laid down as you declare the word of God and victory and divine help are on its way. So we get it. Elisha told him in verse 16, put your hand on the bow. Wow. Isn't it amazing how God invites us to be a part of the breakthrough? Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. God could have supernaturally just lifted the bow, pulled it back. The king could have sat back and watched this amazing. But no, God told Elisha to tell the king, pick it up. Man, it's the simple things of obedience, isn't it? Pick it up. Open the window. Mm, this is so weird. Why is this guy telling me to do this? 
put your hand on the bow, pull it back, and shoot. But look what happened. Elisha, when the king put his hand on the bow, the, bow, the word of God says, Elisha, this dying, weak, frail man, man of God, puts his own hands on the king's hands. Just, oh, divine help. Divine help. Pick it up. Okay. Open the window. Okay. Put your hand on the bow. Okay. Divine help. God comes in. And we're doing these simple things of obedience. And then there he is. Divine help. Because deliverance comes from the hands of God, my friends. So what are you longing for God to do in your life right now? To speak to you, to show you, to provide for you. Because we serve a God that wants to give you the victory. Pick up the bow, open the window, and then wait for it. Divine help. Divine help. Are you all with me? Pastor Karen, how long do I have till? Okay. Okay. Have you ever found yourself saying, literally out loud, I can't do this anymore. <sighs> Who can do all this? Does anyone see everything I'm doing? Oh my gosh, I'm not. Okay, can I just confess? Has anyone ever told their children, I'm not your servant? I did that one for the first time the other day. I was like, oh, I got to take the mommy walk of shame. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, I got in the car. It was a bad mommy day. And I literally yell out to all of them, I'm not your servant. And they're all just like, ah. My husband's like, you need a little time out. Go call a friend and go get a cup of coffee and go see a movie. I don't need a time out. I don't need it. Just get away from me. I can't do this anymore. Oh, my goodness. I want to tell you something. With divine help means that's right. You can't do this anymore. So let me do this now. And I'm beginning, as I am maturing slowly, as you can see, in my relationship with God, I am finding and becoming aware that when that exact statement comes out of my mouth, while I'm running through the house, in the car, taking a phone call, going to the office, picking up the kids, wiping a bottom, cooking dinner, the dinner burning, trying to answer it, whatever it might be, I can't do this anymore. I'll feel the Holy Spirit say, thank you. You're not supposed to. Now, can I help you? Are you done? Are you done burning yourself out and yelling at everyone who gets in your way? Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's another story for another time. I'll save that story for this weekend, okay? Some of us today could be shooting arrows, but we're shooting them in our own strength and ability. Well, Hannah, I'm opening the window. I'm shooting my arrow of faith. I mean, and I've done circles around King Joash. I've, I've, I have shot 34 arrows of faith. Where is my God? Well, I wonder if there are arrows of your own determination, arrows of your own willpower, arrows of your own intellect. If God's going to do it, it's going to look like this, happen like this, move like this, and it's got to be this way. Otherwise, it's not God because that's not what I see and that's not what I prayed for. Can I just encourage us this morning just with freedom that when we say we can't do this anymore, we are saying, God, I depend on you. I welcome your divine help. And that means I even welcome the way you do it, what it looks like, your timetable, your process, and before you do anything outside that window, do it first in me, God. Do it first in me. Break through in me. Remove my own expectations of how I want you to move, work, how it's supposed to look. Break through in me first. Arrows 
of our own determination will wear us out. Human help, human strength will wear you out and down, but divine help will bring victory. The final thing I want to say is this. Number two, this king experienced victory over spiritual enemies. And I believe God wants you to experience that in your life. Victory over spiritual enemies. Have you ever just woken up one day and you're, you're, you're just, you're not happy? You're frustrated? You're discouraged? You're fighting your own emotions and you, it's almost like a fog? You don't know what that is? What is going on? Why do I feel this way? Why am I struggling with my faith? Why is everything I'm seeing through a discouraged lens? It's just, oh, I'm just, has anyone ever had that happen? I want you to know that's a spiritual enemy. My father, he's an amazing pastor. He's been pastoring the same church for over 30 years. Such an amazing voice of wisdom in my life. And as a teenage girl, when the emotions started kicking in, you know, I mean, there's emotions, there's moody days. That's the life of teenage girls and women. But beyond that, my father began to teach me, Hannah, when there is something happening in your emotions and you can't put your finger on the reason why, he said, that is a spiritual attack. Whenever you can't put point to the reason why there's that discouragement, why there's that struggle to believe, why there's that, that fight for happiness, that is a spiritual attack. And this king experienced, I believe, victory not only over, not only over a natural enemy, but a spiritual enemy. It says this in verse 18 and 19. Then he said, Elisha to the king, now pick up the arrows and strike against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground, boom, 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 three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten the enemy until it was entirely destroyed. Do you know what I get from that verse in verse 19? I get this, that a spiritual enemy that wants to come against my life, your life, our life, is this, an enemy of, he wants to come after spiritual persistence. The enemy wants your persistence. He wants your persistence of faith. Your persistence of I'm going to be stay, get dependent and stay dependent. Your persistence of I believe God and I'm going to listen and I'm going to obey and I'm going to do everything he's told me to do even if I look foolish doing it. I mean, this king stopped at three. Why? Maybe he felt weird. Maybe he felt stupid. Maybe he felt awkward. Maybe he was in a hurry. Maybe he was getting tired, but I don't know all the reasons, but he stopped at three. And if he would have just stayed persistent, he would have experienced the fullness of the victory. I want you to know there is a real enemy that wants your persistence. And I want to encourage you this morning to stay persistent and being dependent on God and experiencing his divine help so that you can experience victory over spiritual enemies. At the start of this year, my husband called for all the leaders of our church to do a 21-day Daniel fast. Has any of you been? Do, yeah, isn't it such a great time, such a rich time? And we've been personally doing the 21-day fast for years, years and probably 15 years. We've, that's been a spiritual discipline in our life. And something unique happened this year. I was halfway through the fast, and I felt God say, I want you to go 40. I'm like, ha, <laughs> And um, we, we, were, we weren't doing specifically the Daniel fast, but a certain type of, fast, type of fast, and I love food. So I was like, you need to tell me why, God. I need to know why. And 21 days was super clear. We were, we were fasting for God's heart, Jacob and I. We are fasting for God's heart. Lord, show us your heart. 
Just show us what you're doing. We want to go into 2018 so able to see what you're doing. And I was reading this incredible book by Jensen Franklin, his fasting book. I encourage anyone to read it if you've got questions about fasting. And he talked about what the Bible has to say about 40 days. And he said 40 is significant and symbolic for breakthrough. And immediately heard the voice of God say, I want you to fast for breakthrough. And not only for your life, for your family, but for the people of God. I'm calling you to do this. Can I tell you, it has been the richest time. But the final week of this 40-day fast... The final week, I'm telling you, like up early in the morning, the whole time, so expectant, feeling this oil in my life, you know, just the oil of the Holy Spirit, like extra oil, extra grace, extra wisdom, I'm just so loving, pressing in for my family and my friends and God's church. I've just loved it. The final week, it was like Satan came out with his gloves on. He was like, oh, you've been hoping for that? Spit, sorry, ladies. You've been hoping for that? You've been wanting that? You think your God's got a breakthrough? Give me that. Take, I'm going to take that too. Crush, 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 crush. And not towards the end of this fast, there was one night I was sitting on my couch, and I'm not a crier. I'm a pretty optimistic person by nature. And I just fell into a million pieces, and I just started crying. My husband looked at me like, are you okay? And I looked up at him, and I said, I feel like hope has been deferred over and over again. That's the only way I can describe. It was like the enemy came out in the final round of the last week of 40 days, and he said, I'm going to take your spiritual perspective. Persistence. And I'm going, to be, I'm going to be honest, for 24 days I cried and I couldn't figure out why. I felt so defeated. I felt like a failure. I felt like every fear that has ever been in my life was coming back. And all of a sudden I felt the enemy say, hey, or not the enemy, God, wake up, Hannah. Wake up. Look it. Look it. Look what he's after. I am with you. I am for you. If that was destroyed, it's because it wasn't my best for you. If you didn't get a hold of that, it's because I've got something better and greater. Lift up your eyes. And I thought, okay. And I had to this final week, I'm telling you, get up in the spirit, dependent in, on God and take him out because he wants your spiritual persistence. Don't stop praying for that husband. Don't stop praying for that child. Don't stop believing that your God is Jehovah Jireh. Don't stop believing for that miracle. You get up, you give God the first fruits of your morning. You the word of God in your mouth and you declare the praises of God. And if you haven't gotten it yet, it's because it's not time and God's going to make it extra awesome, extra special, extra special, extra amazing. And he's going to deliver something greater than you could ever imagine or get in your own strength and ability. In the middle of it, you will get victory over spiritual enemies. Are you with me this morning? Jamie, will you come up and just kind of close us here? I want to take these last five minutes and pray over you and give you an opportunity to respond to this word. My friends, what if this morning we were or are just one strike away, one more strike away from total victory? One more strike, just one more. You've been faithful, you've been dependent. You've been listening. You've gotten yourself positioned to hear God, just like this king. And you've been striking. You've, you've struck once. You've struck twice. 
you've been striking and it's felt foolish and it's been weird and no one else is having to do this. Why is God asking you to do this? But you know God's been asking. You've been doing it and you're getting weary and you're getting tired and you're looking out that window and you can still hear the enemy coming. You can still hear him. And you might be thinking this morning, because I've thought this. God, I thought by now I'm not, you would have silenced them. You would have removed them. Why do I still hear the enemy? Where are you? This feels weird. This feels awkward. God, I've been striking for a long time. I feel foolish even asking these prayers, praying these prayers, having this faith. God, nothing in the natural is matching what you promised. Where are you? Oh, my friend, my friend, my friend. You might have gathered this morning out of a spiritual discipline or habit or routine, but I'm here to interrupt that routine this morning by the grace of God and to tell you the enemy is a liar. Your God is for you. That divine help is on its way, but it begins, my friend, with total and complete dependency on God. And what if the breakthrough you have been praying for is waiting for the breakthrough on the inside of you? Before God can break through outwardly, he needs to break through in you. And I know what that means in my own life because I know my own flaws and my own fears and my own weaknesses, but what does that mean in your life? What do you know God is saying? I, you've got to give this to me. You need to trust me. Let go of the side of the pool. I know it's deep. I know you don't trust yourself, but that's the only way you can see my power and my glory is by when you let go and you see that I have made you strong enough to swim. What if one more strike on the ground would activate total and complete victory? Not that it's all dependent on you, but a sign that you depend on him. The enemy can't take your faith. He can't steal your joy. He can try. He can't. That's yours. That's your promise. He can't have God's promises for your life, for your marriage, for your children, for your God-breathed spoken dreams and destiny. He can try to distort it and slow it down, but he cannot have it. Stay persistent. Stay dependent. Listen to what your God is saying. He is speaking to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Awaken us, Spirit of God. Awaken us, Spirit of God, to what you are saying. Awaken us, Spirit of God, to the lies of the enemy. Awaken us, Spirit of God, to religiousness, apathy. God, would you put in us once again a passion for your voice, a dependency on your spoken word and a joy in striking the ground 
God, we're going to strike the ground with smiles on our faces because we know you're at work. With your head still bowed and eyes closed, ladies, this victory came and the king wasn't even on the battlefield. He was in a room alone listening for the voice of God and obeying. He wasn't even on the battlefield. Thank you, God, that you fight our battles. I'm going to ask you to do something. Don't do it for me. I don't need this. I want you to do this for you. And I'm going to keep my eyes closed. I'm not even going to look around. It's between you and the Holy Spirit. That thing that you know God is saying, I need to break through in you there. You've been afraid of it. You've been praying and fasting and doing circles around it, but it's time for you just to give it to me. I need to break through in your trust. I need to break through in your fear. I need to break through in your control. I'm gonna keep my eyes shut. Again, this isn't about me. This is about you. Would you just take your right hand whatever that thing is, and just lift it up to heaven right now. I'm not even looking. As a sign of here it is. Keep that right hand up. And as a sign of declaration that, God, I need you. I'm going to listen, and I'm going I'm to obey that simple. I need your divine help, and I need victory over enemies. I want you to take your left hand and lift it. So both hands are lifted. And with both hands raised towards heaven, my, my hands are lifted, my eyes are closed. I want to pray over us. Spirit of God, we thank you for your faithfulness. And in this moment and on this morning, we lift up our eyes and we remind ourselves where our help comes from. And we declare that our help comes from you. So we say to every demonic force, every spiritual enemy, we say, not today. Not today, you shall not pass. You shall not pass in my mind. You shall not pass in my heart, in my marriage, in my children, and, and the God-gifted ministry. You shall not pass. Because today we will be found dependent on our God. And I thank you, God, in this moment, I pray in Jesus' name that you would release an army of angels from heaven to begin to move to begin to put victory into motion as we're here in this place positioned to just simply hear you and listen and obey i pray god that where the battles are that in the name of jesus victory will begin to be put in motion an army a fleet of angels will begin to be released from heaven and that they would begin to take out spiritual enemies of rebellion of unforgiveness of apathy of lack of discouragement, depression, suicidal thoughts, drugs, addiction, whatever it is, God, in Jesus' name, we pray right now that as we depend on you, as we listen for you, as we declare our need for you, you would fight our victory, our battles and you would bring the victory. And with our hands raised, we say in our spirits, to you, God, be all the glory. To you, God, be all the praise. To you, God, be all the honor. And may we be found striking the ground one more time as our hope is in you, as our hope is in you. And every woman of God this morning said with a loud sound, amen and amen and amen and amen, amen. Strike the ground, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Pastor Karen.